It still is surreal for me because I love this show so much. I'm Maddie Orton, and you're listening to the Jersey Arts Podcast. The musical Rent changed theater, taking home four Tony Awards and creating generations of superfans. Believe it or not, it's been 25 years since the show hit Broadway. And now Rent's 25th anniversary farewell tour is sharing the love nationwide. Actor Javon King plays Angel, one of the show's most beloved characters. He grew up in New Jersey, was a Paper Mill Playhouse Rising Star Award winner, we'll get to that if you're not familiar, and graduated from Ryder University's musical theater program. So we had a lot to talk about. Javon and the rest of the cast of Rent's 25th Anniversary Farewell Tour are headed to Mayo Performing Arts Center in Morristown this weekend. Here's my conversation with Jersey's own Javon King about tour life, his New Jersey arts education, and of course, Rent. Let's start off with how you were introduced to Rent. Tell me about your first experience with Rent. Um, well, unfortunately, I was not born when the show came out. Um, oh my so God. my first introduction. <laughs> so my first introduction to the show was actually the movie. My cousin and I used to watch it all the time, and we were kind of obsessed with it. And then. Um, when I started doing theater in high school and then into college, um, I got an audition for Kinky Boots, oddly enough, and then got rerouted into Rent, and the rest is history. Now I'm here, and it's my second time doing the show, playing Angel, and I love it so much. <laughs> what do you think drew you to the story when you first fell in love with it as a kid? I think, you know, growing up in in, in Jersey, you know, my parents are so accepting of me and, you know, being a part of the LGBTQ plus community. And I think for me, it was the first time I saw, it was my really my first experience to drag, um, to a drag queen and things like that. So that for me was so exciting to see a man, you know, being a woman, you know, and dressing up as a woman in that art form and that, you know, the drag culture really is a whole entity nowadays. Um, and I think that's in part to also, um, to, to rent low key, not even low key in the highest of keys. Um, I think, you know, Angel paved the way for a lot of, you know, drag culture to be mainstream. Um, and then, you know, we have RuPaul and things like that. But I think like seeing a queer person on a screen at a young age for me was really eye-opening that like, oh my goodness, like these people exist. And not only like Angel is a person of color also, you know, so me as a black, as a black gay man, you know, seeing a, you know, a Latinx, you know, gay man playing a character like this was like so eye-opening that someone that is a brown person in, in, in America could be playing a role like this and telling a story like this. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that um, you've talked about this before, but Angel's role within the show is so special because Angel mm-hmm. is this this person who, I mean, is the Angel is this otherworldly sort of giving amazing person and that, yeah. that that's somebody who identifies as queer, as a person of color, I think is especially special, I would imagine. Yeah, absolutely. I just, for me, I really do it because I just, the fact that I saw that representation growing up, I want to be that representation for the younger audiences that are coming in. Um, it's kind of crazy to think this show's been around for 25 years. Again, I'm not 25 yet. I will be 25 <laughs> in May. But um, I, you know, to see younger generations, younger than me coming to the show and, and, seeing the characters, not just Angel, but you know, the Mimi's and Rogers and Marks, you know, the people who come, you know, the true fans that are like of the younger generation, seeing them being, being, being able to connect to these characters is really, really special. And 
that's why I do it. I, I, I do it more for the younger generation and hopefully being that representation that like, yeah, like you can be a queer, not necessarily queer, but if you are queer, yeah, we love that as well. But, you know, a person of color on stage and telling a story that truly does matter. So tell me about your journey as an artist. So you, uh, you're from Union, New Jersey. You went to Union High School. Uh, shout out to my friends at Union High School. Um, yes, shout out to Union High School. Theater powerhouse, people may not know. Very much. Um, the funny thing about this is that I actually didn't start in theater. I started as an athlete. Um, so I played football and ran track for eight years of my life until I got to high school. Um, and I took a musical theater class as my homeroom class freshman year of high school. And I think I was hooked from the moment I got in. Um, the first show I ever did was Funny Thing Happened, I went to the Forum, which was a spring show that we did that um, my freshman year. And then I was in a bunch of shows throughout high school and I kind of got the itch later in high school, like junior year or so. Um, and that's really when you have to start auditioning for, you know, for schools and things like that. So I was a little late to that game because I didn't really know how that operated. Um, but I had, you know, a bunch of teachers at the school who helped me through that. Um, and then I went to school for it and then I went to Ryder and I would not be here if it wasn't for Ryder University. And that's, that's the honest truth. Um, their proximity to New York City was, uh, you know, the asset for me that I was able to go into New York and audition for a bunch of things and audition for Kinky Boots, like I said earlier, which got me into auditioning for Rent. And now I'm here. So Union High School is a super intense theater program. Yes. You guys <laughs> are Rising Star Award champions for people who don't know. Paper Mill Playhouse in Melbourne, New Jersey hosts the Rising Star Awards every year. It's a super big deal. It's like the Tony Awards for New Jersey high schoolers. And mm -hmm. people people really deliver every year. I've been a few times. Yeah. I did a documentary on it called I Can't, I Have Rehearsal. I yeah. love it. I'm obsessed with the <clears throat> incredible young talent that comes out of that. And you were nominated in part of a winning ensemble and a winning show. Um, did your training there, I mean, that must have really kind of set you up for success. It did. It really did. Because I didn't have... Um, like I said, I didn't start when I was little. So a lot of theater people that I know started when they were really young and started doing dance classes and taking voice lessons when they were really young. And I didn't have that. I kind of started in high school and those were my dance classes. The shows that I did were, were my voice lessons. Um, so I didn't take an official dance class or voice lessons until I got to college. So I'm very thankful for my time at Union High School and everything that I learned because it, it really started my trajectory into my theater career. Um, and I don't know where I would be if I didn't, you know, end up in homeroom with um, musical theater for homeroom my freshman year and doing Funny Thing Happened Away to a Forum and then so on and so forth. And then Siskeddy Ladies, my senior year being nominated. Um, that was just an honor of my life, you know, because I went as a freshman to the Rising Star Awards with our show. And I was just looking at these other schools and I was like, where are we? Like, what is this? Like, this is insane. Like, I don't know what's going on. So you know, three years later when I was senior to be one of the top shows again um, and to be a part of it truly as a principal character at that point was really special for me. And the entire experience was amazing. And I, I you know, I went to Paper Mill 
all of high school, seeing all of their shows. So it was just amazing to be able to like be on that stage and perform for all those people and our, you know, my parents and everyone's parents and all these different schools. Like it's just so much fun seeing um, all the different schools and all the shows that they do. Like it's, it's insane. So much talent. So much. Yeah. Talent. So much talent. Yeah. And I still have so many friends that I met through Paper Mill Rising Stars that are in the theater world that, you know, went to other schools that I see um, doing tours and things like that. So it's amazing. You know, we all keep in touch. And you went to Ryder, you got your training there. And then tell me about your Kinky Boots audition. When did you do that? Yeah, so I was a junior in in college when I was in Ryder and I got a call, you know, to come into New York to go in for an open call for Kinky Boots. And so Kinky Boots was being cast by the same people who then were casting Rent. So what would you can see? Um, and I went in for Kinky Boots. I got pretty much to the end for Kinky Boots and they were just like, um, you're a little young for Kinky Boots, because I was going in for like the lead. I was going in for Lola, so Billy Porter. And I'm, you know, that role is for someone who's 30 and I was simply 20, not even, I think I was 19. Uh, <laughs> nope, I was 20, I was 20, I was 20. Um, and I got rerouted to Rent. Um, and a week later, after a week of auditions, I got offered the job and I had to leave school early. So I took a gap year from writer um, to go on tour for the first time um, for 15 months. So that was 2018, 2019. Um, so when I finished the tour, I went back to writer to get my degree. Um, and then I got the call again to come back to rent. <laughs> now here we are in 2022. I feel like for young actors, there is a lesson in there somewhere about mm -hmm. going out for Lola in kinky boots and not getting a role that I assume is a a role that you might really love. I mean, that's a, an yes. iconic role, but being Absolutely. available and getting another iconic role cast in yeah. something you didn't audition for. I mean, what is what do you think the lesson there is for, for actors? I love to tell people, especially when I talk to younger actors that, you know, you can never one compare your journey to anyone else's. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing, you know, I think everything happens for a reason. And I think um, me going in for Kinky Boots and doing that whole process, even though I didn't realize it at the time, now looking back at it, I think that they knew casting wise and producers and everyone who was involved with that knew, you know, you know, Javon is good or he's good, you know, he's pretty good at this, but he's not fitting this correctly now or whatever the case may be. So let's reroute him to this because we see him in this more. And I think that lesson of like one no turning into a opening of another door is something that happens a lot in the industry. You know, I think we hear no more than we'll ever hear yes. Um, so I think that like taking your no's and using that as fuel to get your yes is always the thing to do which is really what I did. You know, I, I was definitely very upset when I didn't get it, but I was so grateful that they considered me and rerouted me to something else. Cause I was like, that usually doesn't happen. It happens sometimes, but like, it's not a, like a foregone conclusion that like, you know, you didn't get this, but we're going to reroute you to this. You know, sometimes it's just like, you didn't get this and that's it. And you're back on the grind and auditioning all over again. So I was fortunate in that aspect, but I used the, the, the sadness that I had for not getting Lola into my, you know, trajectory of like, well, I'm definitely gonna get Angel then, because I like I can't go back to school. I already told everyone I'm leaving, so I was like, oh, no. I was like, I have to get this. So tell me about the tour experience. So you started touring at 20. You did the tour for 15 months. You went back to school. You got the call to go back on tour in the same role. What is the tour experience like? 
it's a little different nowadays. Um, you know, with COVID and everything, um, it's a lot harder for us to be as um, active with our fans and with people after the show. So, you know, one of my favorite things is doing Stage Door and meeting all of the people who come and see the show, because that's where I really like hear so much experience of people who have seen the show over the past 25 years. And I love talking to the true rent heads who have seen this show and seen every creation of the show for the past 25 years. It's really amazing. And I commend them for being so, so honorable to this show. Cause I don't think I could ever <laughs> see a show that many times, but <laughs> I love hearing about it. Um, so I think and that aspect is a little different just because we don't get to interact with as much people. So we're really only on our close knit of castmates. And, um, but I think that just kind of helps us all be close at the end of the day. Um, this show is very small um, to begin with. So there's only, I think 22 of us and that's with our swings. And then you add the band, that's another five. So 27 in total. And that's, you know, that's before we add the crew in, but, um, it, it, it's different. I love the tour life though. I just love the travel. I love being able to go to places and tell the story to people who might not have never seen it before. And that happens a lot, oddly enough. You know, a lot mm -hmm. of people think of Rent. Oh, it's been around for 25 years. Everyone knows this show. Everyone knows the songs. Everyone knows the story. And you'd be surprised that there are people who have never heard of it, never seen it, know nothing about it. And they leave, you know, changed in some way, you know? And I think that's amazing, being able to go into like middle parts of America, things, places that I have never been to before, you know, or going to the West Coast where theater is a big thing, but still people have not seen the show or not heard a lot about it or seen it in 15 years because the show had just hasn't been out there for so long. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the part of tour that I really love. Um, and, you know, I just love to travel in general. Yeah, you must have been some pretty cool places through, through yes. all the Yes. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, I've been. The first, like, the first tour we did, we actually went to Japan and China. Um, so we were international and national tour. Oh. Um, so that was a life-changing experience all in all, just being able to do this show overseas. And um, the response in those countries is, it's insane. It's absolutely insane. Um I think they give Americans a run for their money. That's all I'm going to say. Um, they are some of the most passionate people about this show that I've ever met in my entire life in Japan oh, and China. They great. love this show so, 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 so much. And it really, it, it like, you can tell that the story really touched their lives in a lot of ways that um, I was not used to seeing. And it was, it was beautiful to go and do that over there. And then of course, you know, going across the States, um, they're great. You know, I get to go to the big cities like San Fran and Chicago, and we're doing a bunch of Texas this leg. So I think we're going to Dallas for a little bit, San Antonio, um, DC is coming up, um, but nothing compares to being in Jersey because that is where my heart is. I was so excited when we went to New Brunswick last time, and now we're in Red Bank and Morristown this week. Like, I am so happy. I love hearing that. I'm a Jersey boy at heart, always and always, will always be a Jersey boy at heart. <laughs> I think that, you know, there's so many people who go to see these tour productions, like you said, State Theater, Count Basie, Mayor Performing Arts Center, NJ Pack. I'm leaving a bunch out, but there, there are many wonderful places to see touring productions in New Jersey. Um, yeah. What do you think people don't realize when they go to see a tour production? It's the, the work that goes in it, not by us by our crew, you mm. know, they are the ones who are up 
8 a.m., 7 a.m., loading in our set, putting everything up, and our band has to come in a little bit earlier too to set up their instruments and do that whole thing. You know, like when you walk into a theater, you see it already done. You know, and it doesn't just come like that. It's not like it's not a fold out. You know, you don't just lay it out and it just kind of pops up. Like right. people, we have people, we have local crew, we have our crew that travel with us that are building our set, putting up our lights, and making sure our sound system is all good. So those things, I think, people don't realize that there's so much behind the scenes that that we as actors and as the performers are so grateful for them for all the work that they do. Because without them, we would have no set. We would have no lights. We would not be heard. Um, the music would not be played, anything like that. So I think so much appreciation needs to go towards them because they're doing a lot of the work because they're there, the, you know, they're there before us and then they're there after us, long after us loading out the show. You've previously talked about how an audience member came up to you after performance and said that you represented for her the people she had lost to the yeah. AIDS epidemic. Um, and, you know, as you've said, you're you weren't around at that, you know, when this uh, show came out. How does it feel to have sort of that both, I think, probably blessing and responsibility of sharing those stories? Yeah, I remember that very vividly because I think about that often when I when I do this show, because um, this woman was literally sobbing to me. And at the time I was 21 years old and she was a grown adult and we were in Orlando, Florida. Um, I'll never forget it. And she was telling me that. And I was, and it really, really, really struck a nerve with me because I think until that moment, until me and this woman were having that conversation, I don't think it really hit me the part I was playing in this show and the matter to what Angel has in this show. And I think when, you know, we talk about in rehearsals that Angel's the heart of the show. And, you know, I was like, yeah, like I get it. Like, you know, like not to give any spoilers away for those who haven't seen it, but you know, things happen. And, um, but I, I it, it didn't click for me until I had that very conversation. And I think um, it really broke me down. And I was just like, wow, like this role means a lot. And it was overwhelming at first um, for sure, because I was like, you know, I didn't know how I was going to be able to, you know, make sure that I was doing this role justice and make sure that I was representing people who have lost their lives to this disease in the most just way that I can. Um, so I think for me, I, it, it was trying to be true to myself and be true to what Jonathan wrote um, and being true to the story of what it is. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, the AIDS epidemic was such a... A, a crisis in the late 80s and the 90s and mostly through the 80s and into the 90s. Um, and so many people lost their lives. And I think um, the thing that I kind of equate with it now is COVID a little bit because, you know, before when, you know, with the AIDS epidemic from people that I've heard, you know, they said, we all knew someone who knew someone. And it's kind of the same now with COVID. We all know someone who knows someone or we have been affected by it with our own families. And I think, you know, this show is about lifting each other up. Um, and I think, you know, that community of love and hope really is something that just kind of stands there. Yeah, I, I assume that that resonates in a totally different way during the COVID pandemic. Um, mm -hmm. The other thing that, you know, occurred to me is this last leg of your tour is happening 
right after Tick, Tick, Boom came out, Jonathan Larson's Tick, Tick, Boom, adapted by Lin-Manuel Miranda, um, which was very well received um, and brought Jonathan Larson's work, I think, to a totally new audience. Um, Absolutely. And it's also at a time where we're post RuPaul's Drag Race and where there are you know, thankfully treatments and and preventative measures that that people can take uh, in regard to AIDS. And I wonder how this show resonates for the next generation of rent heads. Yeah, that it, it is interesting because I think, um, again, you know, I talked about it a little bit earlier that we have a, such a younger generation coming to the show now more than I saw it the first time when I did the show. Cause you know, it was before when I did, it was a lot of rent heads, you know, the OG rent heads who've done it before this time, there are a lot younger people in it. And I think tick, tick, boom has a lot to do with it. And I also think the new like TikTok has a lot to do with it too, because a lot of, a lot of rent songs are now kind of going viral on TikTok. And I think, you know, a lot of people didn't realize that certain songs that they knew were from the musical Rent. Prime example, Seasons of Love is something that just transcends all genres of music. And I don't think a lot of the younger generations knew that that song was in a musical. Wait, are you telling me that there's a Rent talk that I should be looking out for? There is a Rent talk, yeah. (gasps) Yeah, the true Rent heads, they have, they're on all platforms. They're there. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, I know how I'm spending the rest and of my it's, night. It's, it's it's interesting because it's like, you know, we have some castmates in, who are in their 20s who were, you know, who have a following on TikTok. And it's just like for them to come into it and be like, yeah, like a lot of these songs have gone viral on TikTok. And, you're, and we're, just, but it's been around for 25 years. Like how, how is it now just going viral? Um, but to get back to the question, um, I think younger generations, I think will hopefully realize that, you know, Although the show is a period piece, um, I think they, I hope we can compartmentalize and, re- and see that like, you know, medicine is moving forward in terms of AIDS epidemic, you know, in terms of how we can treat AIDS and people, less people are dying, but people are still dying one. Um, and I think for two, I think the overall message, although AIDS plays a big part in the show is to treat others the way you want to be treated and to, you know, give as much love as you can. And mm-hmm. I think in today's A and age, day and age um every day is not guaranteed you know um so I think with that message of hope and love and giving as much love as you can to whoever um that is what I think will transcend through the younger generations um and I think they a lot of them won't know what AIDS is which is kind of scary to think about but I think you know a quick google search will do them well um and they'll quickly do realize that like this was something that was major for them and again you can easily swap out in terms not in terms of the story but in terms of the loss of life with covid and aids or any disease or you know or sickness that is really taking a lot of people by the masses and i hope too that it becomes a you know an educational piece for people absolutely absolutely This is the Rent 25th Anniversary Farewell Tour. Does that mean, is Rent done touring for the foreseeable future? Uh, That's what they say. Um, I want to believe them, but I just think this show is so iconic that I don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon. Um, I think 
in terms of what is leaving is that we are the, we are doing the Broadway version of this show. Um, so we are the Broadway version touring company of Rent. I think this version of Rent will no longer be a thing. So your typical, what you see in the 2008 version that's on YouTube, that probably is illegal, but it's okay. Um, <laughs> that version and what they did back in the nineties is what we are also doing with a few modifications because you know it's 2022 and um, things evolve over time. I think this version of the show is done. I don't think Rent the Musical is going anywhere anytime soon. Um, it's just too good. It's too good. It tells such a gorgeous and beautiful story that I think that everyone is going to want to see it, especially now with Tick, Tick, Boom and Jonathan Larson's name being brought up a lot more um, because of Tick, Tick, Boom in that film. And I don't think people realize that Jonathan Larson did Rent as well or vice versa, that he did Tick, Tick, Boom because sure. Rent is such a phenomenon. Um, so I think that this is just putting Jonathan Larson back on the map and well-deserved because he is a genius. And right. I hope he's looking down, smiling at all of this because it's amazing. You know, he wrote beautiful theater. He really did. Javon, thank you so much for taking the time amidst your busy schedule to talk with me about this. It was such a pleasure. It was literally no problem at all. I'm so, so happy that I got to do this. Thank you for reaching out and wanting to do this. I really, really appreciate oh, it. It was a blast. Enjoy your time back in Jersey. Thank you. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to be here. For more information on the Rent 25th Anniversary Farewell Tour, visit mayoarts.org. To learn more about all things arts in New Jersey or to help fund more stories like this one, visit jerseyarts.com. If you liked this episode, be sure to give us a review, subscribe, and tell your friends. The Jersey Arts Podcast is presented by Art Pride New Jersey, advancing a state of creativity since 1986. This show is created in partnership with the New Jersey State Council on the Arts and receives additional support from the National Endowment for the Arts. This show is hosted, produced, and edited by yours truly, Maddie Orton. Executive producers are Jim Atkinson and Corin Wright. Special thanks to Javon King, Mayo Performing Arts Center, and the Rent 25th Anniversary Farewell Tour. I'm Maddie Orton for the Jersey Arts Podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.